welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. So we've been talking about how, um, are you ready to receive this morning? It's really important whenever you hear the word of God that you make a decision to go, I'm open for this, all right? I'm ready to receive this. Lord, it's um, because the Lord will never come and sort of force stuff down your throat. He doesn't want captive prisoners. He wants sons and daughters who willingly and lovingly receive. Do you get that? Uh, he doesn't want uh, people who just feel like, you know, I finally got it right. I, I texted Ray during the week. You know this, his saying of, what, what is it you say? And he goes like, angry sinners. You know, I know guilty sinners in the hands of an angry God, right? And, and we don't want that. We don't want to come this morning as we sit under the word with whatever's going in on us to be like guilty sinners in the hands of an angry God. And I'm going to talk about that today because what I said last week, what I started off the year talking about Kaf Kamel, how in, in, in the, the word of the Lord over you is that dead things are coming to life. Things that have been dead in your life, the Lord is resurrecting them. And his hands are always open to you because he's not angry or upset with you. He loves you. He's really, really in love with you. Do you get that this morning? There's no anger with him. There's no disappointment with him. He's not upset. His hands are open to bless you and favor you every day of your life. Why? Is it because you're good? No, it's because Jesus is good. And even in our ups and downs, when we get it wrong, it never changes how he loves us. His hands are always open to bless. And he covers our sin and he blesses us with the same hands. And what I, I was saying is last week I started to talk about there's things that block us in the way of that. And I started to, 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 you know, there's three things I want to talk about this week. I'm going to talk about guilt, all right? And people who feel guilty, guilty sinners in the hands of an angry God. And say that is so far from what we should be living because the root of it all is condemnation. Remember I said that last week? Uh, I'll talk about that in a minute. And, uh, you know, and then I'm going to talk about guilt and then I'm going to talk about shame next week. But you know in John 14, 6, if, when I give these verses, I, you know it's really helpful? Sometimes it's really helpful just to make a wee note. All right, and just so you can come back on them and read them again. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And then I love running these two verses together. You know, years and years ago, I, I, I kind of believe, believe God gave me this revelation, actually, of, of, of what truth looks like. And Jesus said, I am truth. And then in John 8, 32, he says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so this thing of being set free this morning is released from bondage. I believe that guilt is a bondage that is put on the people of, of God, on his children, not by God, because God will never guilt you. Do you get that? He doesn't need to guilt you. Guilt is not part of his way of getting you where you need to be. He loves you into change. He blesses you into change. He leads you into change. He never guilts you into change, right? Because it's so contrary to who Jesus revealed himself to be. In these verses, the, the word here, and the truth shall make you free, is eletherio. Okay, it's a, kind of an interesting word, but it means this, to release from bondage, to remove the restrictions of sin and darkness and to be delivered by God into true spiritual liberty. So the whole thing of Jesus setting you free is removing every bit of sin and darkness from you so that you can be absolutely free every day. Now that's good news, isn't it? And that's what Jesus says. And when you know me, when you experience me, when you have firsthand acquaintance, when you ex acquaintance of me, when you, you actually experience me in the day to day, you'll live free. Can I say that's what the Lord has for you today? And one of the things that will get in the way of that is this thing of guilt. And we need to explore it because there, you know, Christians around the world are, are sometimes as sick, as stressed, as anxious, and as worried about everything else that the world is, right? 
And sometimes you might be forgiven to go, do I see a difference at times? You know, even in my own life this morning, it's not to, it's not to guilt you. That would, be, that would be, how ironic would that be? Here's a sermon on guilt. Now you're gonna feel really bad by the end of it, all right? <laughs> see if you're feeling a wee bit happy right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna guilt the life out of you. I'm gonna beat the sheep, not feed the sheep this morning. It's not gonna happen, all right? Okay, because what I, what I said last week was that whenever you have, like, you feel stress in your life, underneath that is because you're afraid. And all stress is caused by fear, I said. And then, you know, whether it's fear of failing, fear of lack, fear of rejection, fear of death, whatever. And what I said was in the world today, all the world can do is whenever you feel stressed because you're anxious, the only thing that they have is medication, right? Even when it comes to things like behavioral, uh, cognitive behavioral type stuff, which actually some of it's really good. It's really, really good, but it doesn't get to the root of it because it can't really deal with fear because what sits underneath fear is condemnation. I'm not good enough. I, I deserve to be punished because I know the difference between right and wrong. Remember I said last week that Adam felt condemned, right? Because he knew the difference between right and wrong. And Thank you so much, Anna. And where there's condemnation, there'll be fear. And when there's fear, there's gonna be stress. So if you, feel, if you feel stressed in your life and you live in fear, then there's absolutely no point in just trimming around the edges of that one. You've gotta get right to the root of it and deal with the condemnation that sits underneath it all. And that's why Jesus came. Why? So that you could be a You could be freed from the restriction of condemnation and sin and live free. Do you get that? Jesus doesn't want to just play around with your life. He wants to set you free indeed, the word says. Not just in part where you kind of limp along, but from the, from the very core of you, inside out freedom is what he has for you. And it's all about his goodness and love and his grace for you. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't minister your way into it. You have to simply receive it. Not good word. That's the gospel of grace, folks, about Jesus and his work, not about our work for him. And he loves you this morning. And so we want to deal with this whole thing of guilt because Adam, remember last week, I said, it's the law that condemns. Why did Adam feel condemned? Because he, he you know, at the, at the, at the start, he, he walks with God in the cool of the day. There's, there's communion and all that sort of stuff. And then he, he partakes of the knowledge of good and evil. He didn't partake of evil. He partook of the knowledge of good and evil. And so what happens is we, are, we have this awareness every man since and every woman since okay, that there is good and there's bad, and we know where we stand against it. And it says in Romans 3.20, the law then comes and gives us the knowledge of sin. And whenever you know, whenever the law came and we had the knowledge of what's right and wrong, the result was condemnation. That's it. Now, thanks be to Jesus, he can get to the root. It's awesome. Who wants to live free? Honestly, who this morning was not gonna go, Real freedom, real inside-out freedom. No more stress, no more anxiety, no more fear. Who says amen to that? That's the promise of God for you this morning. That's not my words to make you feel better. That's the truth of Scripture. That's the gospel of His grace. And the brilliant news is you can't do anything other than receive. I want to keep saying that today. Because the thing with guilty people is they always feel that there's a price to be paid. Because the law says wherever the law is broken, somebody's got to pay the price. And so when we live with guilt, it has all sorts of stuff that, that will rob us. So that, that, is that okay? Does that make sense? So we're going to get into it because I'm going to show you from the old and from the new what happens and what Jesus has done for us. Because this is one of the things, sometimes we've got to stop and recognize, 
You know, we said this at Bible study a few weeks ago, didn't we? About taking captive every thought, right? Sometimes we think that is a case of like, you know, oh, this thought, I've got to tie it up spiritually speaking. Blah, blah, blah. Oh no, and there's another thought. Who, whose head goes absolutely mental at times? Like seriously, up and down. Anyone? What would it be like if you were trying to captive every thought? Like you wouldn't know whether you were stuffed or mounted, would you? Like seriously, anyone or is it just me? You'd spend so much time thinking about your thinking that you'd never get anything done. Anyway, isn't that crazy? And that's just us, and we're relatively normal, most of us. Some of you I'm not so sure about, but if you're relatively normal, say yes, amen, right? Yeah, I don't know, you can't put your hand up, all right? Just kidding, right? <laughs> that was a wee joke. But, but, you get the, but you get the point. It's like, oh, I've got to take every captive thought. And what, is, what, is, what, is it, what happens when you read a verse like that? Where does your attention go? Onto you. What happens when your attention goes on to you? It all goes to pot, doesn't it? Because then it's all about me and what I'm doing and what I'm thinking and how I'm feeling and where did I get this thought and should I take... And it's like all of a sudden, you're not even thinking about Jesus and his grace to you. You're just thinking about you and what you're doing, right? It's the biggest distraction of the enemy. Get your head off the truth of the gospel of grace and what Jesus has done for you and get it onto yourself because all bets are off then, right? So we're, we're going we're gonna to look at this because... What I said was um, last week, it's like the enemy, he's smarter actually than most psychiatrists, psychologists, and most believers, most preachers, because he doesn't deal with the peripherals and the superficial. Remember I said his first name is not thief or murderer, although he does steal and he does, he does kill. His name is Satan, which is prosecutor at law or the accuser. And what is the role I said last week of a prosecutor in the court of law? He's there to prosecute you and condemn you. He will never talk about your good points, right? Never, no matter who you are. He will bring up all the dirty laundry and relentlessly accuse you until you bow under the weight of condemnation. Because in the place of condemnation, you cannot stand in faith and expect for anything. That's why we preach grace. That's why today we preach grace. So let's look at this whole notion of guilt. So the whole, the whole notion, it's, like, it's really interesting seeing the world today. If you talk about guilt, right, it's, it's kind of under attack. Now, we kind of go, we, we know that it's there. It's perceived as something that needs to be, it's something that's destructive. We agree on that. And it must be eliminated. And the, the effects of guilt when, they're not, when it's not dealt with is very serious, right? So what's interesting today is the world in one sense, in a very legal statutory sense, has an idea of guilty and innocent. But when it comes to how people live, all right, the whole notion of guilt is pretty much like, yeah, we, we kind of know that it's not good, but mostly what we try to do is just eliminate it, either through ignoring or pushing it to the side. Let me just tell you theologically what guilt means. It means the state or condition. The actual word is enochos. And what it means is it's the state or the condition of deserving punishment. That's what guilty means, right? This, it's your state, right? And your condition. I'm going to talk about that more next week. It's a, it's a feeling of responsibility or remorse that we have for an offense, a crime, a wrong. Now, what's interesting is it's whether it's real or imagined. You get that? Sometimes we feel guilty for stuff that we don't do, as well as the stuff that we do. You get that? Like when we're compelled for stuff, when we feel like we should be, 
when we feel the demand on us and we, we can feel as guilty about those things as the things that we actually put our hands to to do. Yeah? Okay. So I want to take this really slow because actually as you sit and listen to me today, the Lord's going to speak to you about individual things in your heart and he's not to go, oh, look, told you you were a dirty whatever, but actually just to go, right? Just remember, listen, this is the point where I would love to be in one of my old churches where I go, see, right now we're going to put a screen up, right, of all your thinking, all your thoughts you've ever had is going on the screen and we're all going to watch. Remember that? I used to get saved like a hundred times in the meeting. <laughs> That'd be awful, wouldn't it? How would the Lord feel if we put all your thoughts up on a screen? Flipping Nora, nightmare. Right? So whether it's real or imagined, it's this feeling of responsibility or remorse for something that's gone wrong. Now, that causes emotional pain, doesn't it? You ever think about something that you've actually done or not done in your life, and when you think about it, emotionally, it's damaging for you? Anybody? Okay, well, so we all know what I was talking about. Oh, you're going to feel the freedom coming for you this morning. And, you know, and so what happens is, you know, as well as this emotional pain that we can feel, there's a physical pain when we live guilty. You know, it affects, you know, things like headaches, insomnia, nausea. This is just from psychology today. I was reading it this week. Because it's a powerful emotion that reminds people of the consequences of negative action. That's what guilt is. And what's really interesting is it's not just about the past. It very much affects your future. When you live with guilt from yesterday, you carry the pain of it today and it affects tomorrow. Thank Jesus for his grace this morning. Because what we're going to see is incredible. Let, let me talk a little bit more about the effects. The effects of guilt, a little bit like shame, have huge consequences on your life. Because, you know, the truth is when you do something wrong or you don't do something, or you think and reflect about what you've done or not done. Actually, it's not so much about that. It's about how you respond to it, which is key. Because if you don't deal with it, a guilt complex happens, and that can lead to feelings of anxiety, depression, and stress. You know, people find it difficult to sleep. They get a loss of interest in stuff. Fatigue, difficulty concentrating, social withdrawal. You know, a guilt complex can have a serious impact on your overall well-being. This is just what the world says right? And people deal with it in many ways, and Christians are no different. You know, I don't know, I don't know anything other than the gospel of Jesus and his finished work that will ever set you free from that. Do you know why? Because the law condemns. The very thing under the, the very thing of you trying to make it better, okay, by what you do for the Lord, or what you bring to the, the very notion of that reinforces, the Bible says, the very thing that you're trying to be free from. The more you try under the law, the worse it gets. Do you know why? Because you can't do it, you fail, and it just keeps going on in this cycle of, I'm not good enough. And so what happens is it actually strengthens the grip of the thing instead of setting you free from it. That's why you need grace. That's why you need grace. And so um, I'm going to keep going here because, you know, well, let's have a look at what happens in the world today. Do you know what's really interesting for me? You know, there's... You know, when people do wrong, because we are built all in the image of God and we know instinctively, right, what right and wrong is, right, people will still struggle with guilt. So what's interesting is society out there will encourage people to sin 
And what I mean by that is do whatever they want, whenever they want, with whoever they want, at any time they want, and say, you are free to do that. And, they, and what happens is they will encourage that, but they cannot deal with or tolerate the guilt that it produces. Do you get that? It's such a bad deal. The wisdom of the world is what well, you're free to do whatever, but see the results of it? We have no answer to that. We'll probably just medicate you at some point. That's just what happens because we're not getting to the root of it. We're not getting right to the root. And, and so I, what happens is we shift blame. Christians do this as well, by the way, folks. We shift the blame. We create labels. We invent disorders. We fabricate syndromes. We indulge in victimization for what all to try to eliminate guilt. Essentially what happens is we try to remove, remember, like guilt is that feeling of responsibility for something going, going wrong. So what we try to do is we try to move responsibility into something else. It's not my fault, it's because I'm this. It's not my fault, it's because of the way I was brought up. It's not my fault, it's because of my Aunt Aggie in 1854 went to a seance and whatever. You know what I mean? That's a, Christian, that's a great Christian one, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's cast them out of you. Generational curses, not my fault. Ge- what, what, do you know what happens there? All we're doing is shifting responsibility from us to something else. Does that make sense? Why? Because instinctively we know something's, we're, you know, there's right and wrong here. And so we go to church and the preacher will tell you, you know what? You've got to try harder for the Lord. You've got to do more for the Lord. Now that you're saved, you shouldn't be in this mess. Why? You should know better. And I kind of go, some days I think I know way less than what I probably did 20 years. Anyone? I don't want to scare the life out of you, all right? And go, well, who is this buck on the at, on the platform this morning? But that's the truth of it. Don't tell me I should know better because that's not, we're, we're not dealing in the right game here. I know I should know and I don't know and I don't know why sometimes I don't know but it doesn't help me you tell me that I don't know. It just makes me feel worse about what I don't know. <laughs> Anybody? That's the truth. And so I've got to throw myself onto something other than the law and its demands People's opinions, I've got to go to Jesus and his grace because he's the only one who looks me in the eye and goes, I can deal with this. I can deal with this for you. You don't need to carry this, all right? But what we can't do, if you, if you in your life are trying to shift responsibility because you feel bad about stuff, stop it. There's a better way. There's a lasting way. There's a deep way to find freedom in your heart, free from all the destructiveness of sin, all right? Freedom from it, because I came to set you free, the Lord says, right in the deepest part of you, the inside of you, and it's my gift of grace. Now, let me, so I, I want to encourage you, because some of us just go, oh, it doesn't matter. It's in the past. Sure, I was that person then, and now I'm not that person anymore. But the gnawing, nagging, it's like nipping around your heels still. Do you get that? Oh, well, I would make a, I would make a different decision today. I'd make a better decision today, because I know better. But the gnawingness of it, that it just still goes. It's because it needs to be dealt with. And the irony is that we actually make things worse, right? Um, because we, we just add pride and dishonesty into the mix, which is a real nightmare when it comes to it. You know, because now, yeah, I'll, I'll leave that one for next week. So shall we get to what the Bible says? Is this making sense? If anyone's starting to go, there is stuff in my life. The Lord's brought you here this morning for one reason only because he wants you to be free. You're in the right place. Do you get that? I'm going to point you to Jesus and his finished work for you this morning. 
And if you'll receive it in a moment, it can set you free from years and years and years of carrying guilt. Why? Because he doesn't want it for you. He wants you free. He wants you free. Somebody had to take responsibility for your mess and he did it for you. He stepped willingly into your space. He came for you. He saw you before you took your first breath. He looked at you and said, I love you with an everlasting love. And for every moment of weakness, every moment of silliness, every moment of immaturity, every moment of just being human, that you made whatever mess you made, I came for that. And you know what? See, from today, every single thing that you will ever put your hand to to make a mess of it, I've already covered it for you. Amen? You're free. You're free. Now, let's look at it because guilt actually is not something that you need. The world will go, I want to do whatever, but I just don't know how to deal with this. Right? So let's just pretend it's not there. Eventually, that's going to come out somewhere. Mental health anxiety, depression, broken relationships, all sorts of stuff. It's going to come out, right? Why? Because it's a, it's, a, it's a root in there, and that root will grow. So what does the Lord say? Well, actually, guilt is a biblical concept. you know that? You go, oh, for flip's sake, Andrew. I thought the Bible was going to help me, right? It's a biblical concept. The issue is not that there is guilt. The issue is guilt has to be dealt with. The world, do you get me? The world's not dealing with it and Christians aren't dealing with it either. Why? Because the law can't deal with your guilt. It just makes you guilty. I've already said it. But it is a concept. It is an idea that comes right from the original story in Genesis. So you can't ignore it. You've got to face it, but not face it with your strength, your ability, your understanding. You can only face it in grace because otherwise it'll be too much and it will overwhelm you. Whatever that specific issue is, and guilt is about specifics. Guilt is about this happened and therefore the result was. And every one of us has something like that in our lives. Don't we? Oh, not me, Pastor. I'm a <laughs> I love that when you look at people and they go, no, not really. I have no idea what that man's talking about. Is my halo not blinding you this morning? So in, in, in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word is a sham, B-S-H-A-M. And it means guilt, trespass, or offense. Now, we learn four things in Scripture. I'm just going to teach you a wee bit here about guilt. The first one is you are responsible, right, for your actions. That's Leviticus 5.17. So according to God, individuals are responsible for their actions. Oh, the world doesn't like that one. It's not my fault. It's because I'm this. It's because I'm that. It's because I'm oppressed. Try being, try being a white, middle-aged Christian man in the world today. That's a barrel of laughs, let me tell you. A press, seriously. I sometimes wish I was a minority group somewhere. I think, flip me. At least you can, like a white, anyway, right? I, you know, I wish, I absolutely wish the world could see this. You're responsible. I don't buy into any narrative that goes because of 300 years of stuff, right? I just don't buy into that at all no matter who you are or what your group is. You know, all of us can look at something in our background and point the finger, can't we, and go, it's because of that. Right? Anyone? But you're, actually, here, here's the, the, the tightener in the word. You're responsible. Okay. Number two, guilt could be incurred even out of ignorance, right? So, uh, so guilt is a state, not just an emotion. So that's Leviticus 5.15. 
So, like, even like I've said it earlier on, you're guilty not by what you do, that's the, the sin of commission, but you're also guilty because of omission, what you forget to do or you didn't know. Actually happens in the law today. You can't kill somebody and go, sorry, I didn't know it was against the law. <laughs> They'll still bang you up anyway. Isn't that right, James? You could probably help us with that. So the, the point is, you can't just put your hands up and, you know, sometimes we do this, oh, I just didn't know. I just didn't know. Tough. You're guilty. Too bad. Right? Don't worry, I'm getting to the good bit. Number three, there's always a prescribed way out of guilt. That's why there's a thing called the trespass offering. And uh, Leviticus 5, 6. So even though there is guilt, the Lord always said there's a way out of it. And it was called the trespass offering. One of the things that, that Jesus became the offering for us, all, all those offerings are found in Jesus. I'll, I've preached it another time. And then in Leviticus 4.31, we see that the individual could be relieved of guilt and find freedom. Isn't that amazing? So it's not just like you're responsible for what you did and what you didn't do. That's bad news, right? Because I am completely stuffed on all counts right there. And I, I'm, I'm down. As soon as that, that, the hammer's fallen on that one, I, I don't know about you, but I'm out, all right? Secondly then, but I can get out of it, okay, and I can find freedom because there's also that sits alongside this, this notion in Scripture of, of guilt. There's also the, 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 the notion of guiltless, which is naka in Hebrew, and it means to be innocent, to be clean, and to be free, right? Now, they had, they had this idea because they knew instinctively, intuitively in their hearts, placed there by the Lord, that even though there was guilt, there would be the opportunity to be completely free of guilt, even under the law. Now, under the law, what was needed was somebody who could fulfill the law in its wholeness. Because if there was no sin, there would be no guilt. So if somebody could follow the requirements of all the law, he is described in, in, in the Hebrew as nakah, Right? In the New Testament, the Greek word is anasius, and it means the same things. So here, here's what happens. In, in all of us as human beings, we know that we, we stand guilty because we've done and we've, we've not done. But we also know there's something in us that goes, but there is freedom too. There is a state of being completely free. Completely free. And... The only thing that can lead us to that state under the law is somebody's got to do it perfectly for me. Somebody's got to meet that requirement because if there's no sin, there's no guilt. You don't break a sin or you don't break a law, you'll never be guilty. And so that's what Jesus does. I'm going to talk about this more next week. I just want to set it up for you this week. Because when God looks at you, right, he doesn't see what you did and what you didn't do. Do you get that? What happened the moment, the very moment you came to faith in Christ? If you've never come to faith in Christ, this would be a really great morning to do it. But what happened in that very moment? In that very moment, as far as the east is from the west, did he remove transgression from you? I'm going to use that word now. As far as the east is from the west, in that moment, you were declared naka under the law. Isn't that amazing? Why? Because Jesus did it for you. There had to be a substitute. Let me read this. So how do you, how do you deal with it? Well, can, can I say this? If you've been carrying guilt around with you, then the only way to get free and to be free of it is to deal with it. You can't ignore it. You can't blame something else or somebody else. If you try to shift blame or avoid responsibility, 
then what that simply tells you is that, there, you know, you, well, you can't face your guilt, all right? But, you know, number one, it's always going to have the upper hand on you. You're never going to be able to stand in faith this year or any other year and say, boldly, I come to you, Lord, for everything I need, which lights up the heart of Jesus this morning. He wants you to come and he wants you to take from him. Do you get that? It blesses the Lord this morning when you come and say, feed me, encourage me, fill me, you know, protect me. He loves that. He loves, he's, he's the God who gives, the God who pours, the God who has always switched on to favor and blessing in your life all the time. And it lights up his heart when you come and you receive it all. You know, when you grab, right? He loves it. That's what faith does. Faith grabs the goodness of God and says, that's for me, right? Religion will say, no, 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 don't come close. You have to do this, this, and this first. And the Lord says, no, just come and, as Adam said last week, that word, come and sit at the table. I've prepared a feast for you in the presence of your enemies. And one of your enemies is guilt. But in the presence of guilt, I've laid a feast for you. Now come and eat. Amen? Amen. So if you've got something, don't carry it anymore. Say, Lord, I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to face it again in grace. I'm not going to let it hold me. I'm not going to let it rob me of my future. I'm not going to let it have its, its, its like grip around my ankles, pulling me back every single time. I'm going to say no to it. Because, and the, and the first part of it is this, is like understanding, all right, and believing in faith that you are clean today. You're not dirty before God, and you're not um, the sum total of all, everyone else's opinions about who you are, right? That's not who it is. In, in the cross, what happens is this. You read it in Isaiah 53, 6, whenever it's prophesied, right? Both of the definitions, right, that I, I, I've described here early, earlier on, this word avasham and, and, um, ka, and katakrima, these two words of condemnation, both of those are placed on Jesus, right? And what happens is it says that guilt, there's a word here, guilt, and all of the things that come from it are placed onto Jesus, and he took those for you. The word actually is avon. So when it says the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all, it's the word avon. It means this. So it means that the, the state and the, the state of being wrong, the responsibility that comes from being wrong, and the consequences that flow from your decisions is avon. And all of that iniquity, is the word in the Old Testament, is placed onto Jesus for him to carry for you. That's your starting place. Everything that goes wrong today, hurt, pain, sickness, disease, war, pride, depression, fear, worry, stress, all of that is as a result of Avon. So the Bible says. And it says then, 53, 6, the Lord laid on him the Avon of us all. Jesus didn't just identify with your screw-ups and your rebellion. Do you know that? but with every punishment and every evil consequence as well. And he put those on himself and he has carried it away from you so that it may never return. As far as east is from the west, you are free. Hallelujah. Somebody give me an amen this morning. As far as the east is from the west, you are free. And there's a freedom that comes from that. There's a peace that comes from that. To go, do I feel guilty? Yes. But what do you do in those moments where you go, I feel... When you have that thought, I'll tell you what it is. 
Uh, one of the things I do love about some cognitive science type stuff is that it helps me to understand myself in the real life every day. So one of the things to understand is, you know, you know when you have feelings about things? No? You are like psychopaths in here or something? <laughs> so I've got a church full of sociopaths. I feel nothing. I feel absolutely nothing. Well, for normal people, we feel things, right? We just feel things. You get hurt, you get excited. That's, yeah. Okay, flipping Nora. That's a queer glass, by the way. Is that like a pastor's glass? It weighs a ton. It's like, a, got the best crystal out. So let me help you with this. Because guilt, this, this thing of guilt is, it's that strong emotion. You'll feel guilt as an emotion. Because what will happen is, in any particular situation where it's not dealt with, something's said, something comes up, something reminds you. And what happens is, you feel it. Do you get it? Like physically, you can feel it too. Right, okay, we're getting somewhere. Then what happens is, remember in that moment where you're feeling, and it can make you feel sad, worried, regretful, anything else, help me out here. Yuck, yeah. There's a good, there's a good ported down word there. Yuck. I have no idea what that means, but I'm going to take it as a negative. Yuck. Anyone else? I feel like I could be a tongue. Anyone got the interpretation? What's it? Are you joking? We're just waiting the Lord here. Right. He's speaking culture. Who knows? Right. So. Remember I said guilt will rob you of your future as well? Do you know why? Like, it's really hard to believe God that he can bless you in an area where you messed up. So what happens? It robs you of your future. I, I, I made a mistake there before. What, is that, what does the world say? You made a mistake there, you're going to have to pay for it. And you know what the world does? There's no mercy in the world. Like, you do something wrong, you're going to pay, and we'll get our pound of flesh from you. And after you've paid your pound of flesh, you'll still be tarred with the same brush. You're this. You get that? So what it does, it robs you of future. Hope to believe that your best days are still to come. I'll see the goodness of God. Right? And what happens is we go right to the root. Because those feelings, what I realize in myself is, and what, what does the enemy do? He'll just accuse you. I'm just trying to be really practical for you. When it comes, take captive the thought. Remember he said in Bible study, recognize it for what it is. Reject it right? And replace that thought with the truth that you are free. Because what happens is your thinking is at the root of how you're feeling, and your feeling is then driving your behavior. You think, you feel, and then you behave. Even the world knows that. Believers don't so much. So if you want to change your... So what does behavior look like here? That you're going to be better? No, it's like you're going to stand in faith for what the Lord has for you. It's really hard to stand before the Lord guiltless if you feel guilty. And so what happens is when the accuser comes, okay, he's not going to run your car off the road. He's no part to do that. You get that? Psalm 91, safe under the shadow of his wings. But when you're sitting in your car at, at rush hour or you're cooking the tea or you're doing something, the thought will come. Just pop it in. There's the thought. There's the thought. There's the thought. What well, I wonder, Lord, if, you know what the Lord paints the picture? I wonder if we could be free there. Ah, but sure you did that. You'll mess it up again. You're not trusted. 
Get me? The feeling comes, and then what happens? The behavior, our heads drop. And the Lord says, stop. In that moment, when the accuser has planted the thought, see, many of us don't recognize that it's actually about our thinking, and we just deal with it. We try to deal with the feeling. So we numb it, or we do something to try to, you know, I'll do something to make myself feel better. No, change your thinking. Be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. And what do you renew your mind to? The grace of Jesus. Because he stands at every point of your failure and says, I'm more than enough. Every point of your failure, he stands there and goes, but I dealt with it. Every point of your failure, I paid the price for it. Every accusation, but that's not who they are. They are righteous sons and daughters right now. Ah, but they'll make a mess. No, but do you know what? See, if they do make a mess in the future, where will I be? Right there with them to say they're innocent still. Why? Because it's not what they do, it's who they are. They are not the sum total of their actions. They are my sons and my daughters and I love them. Somebody say amen this morning. That's the grace of Jesus for you. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, no matter where you'll ever be, his grace is enough. And so don't try to, I'm gonna finish. Now, um, don't try to ignore it. You know, if you've ignored it for years, you've probably just gone around in circles. And that's just me. You know, it comes out in lots of different ways with people. Well, it's just who I am. It's just me. It's just... No, it's not. Do you know what? Um, is this helping? Good. Recognize your thinking. Recognize the feelings. And if it's not freedom, it's not life, if it's accusation... And fear and anxiety is the result of what you're feeling. Is the feeling? You've got to change your thinking. Renew your mind to what grace has done. That's what Paul says in Romans. Now, let me tell you something. In these three talks, I'm going to finish them all the same way. And I thought about it this week. It says in Romans 10 that faith comes by what? And by hearing. 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 And then he says, and then faith. The ability, pistis, to be persuaded that God is good all the time, that God's grace is enough, that I am free from the power of sin, that he is for me every day. That faith to stay there comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. It would be amazing. I have, I have statistics, and I didn't write them down because I want to use them next week, about all the things that an average person hears in a week. All right? From the inside of them, around them, and from the outside. Right? It's absolutely bonkers. like Thousands, tens of thousands of messages every week that you've heard, heard, heard. And the Lord says, I'm going to show you that hearing my word of grace will bring you faith. But you've got to keep hearing. What does Romans 8, 1 say? Let me explain it to you again. Therefore now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Therefore, let me just explain this for you again. Therefore, the word ara means immediately. I'm saying this again. You're hearing it again this week so that by hearing, faith comes. Because what I say to myself is immediately now in this moment, ara in Hebrew, okay? Under these circumstances, in light of all that's been said, okay, it follows that. So the word here, num, okay? Therefore, there is now, now means immediately. In that moment, immediately, right now, I'm not condemned, there is no condemnation. No is udeis. Remember this? It's a powerful negating conjunction. It rules out by definition. It shuts the door and leaves no exceptions. 
it by definition, do you know what the Lord says? If you are in faith this morning with Jesus, by definition, you're not condemned. You get that? He's not an angry God and you're not a guilty sinner. By definition, if you are a a believer in Jesus this morning, full of the Holy Spirit, there is no way, according to God's view, that you can be condemned. He doesn't even see it. He's got no grid for it. He looks at you and goes, are you serious? What, what, what book are you reading? Because I'm looking at what my son's done, and by definition, all right, you can't be that. Hello? Immediately in this moment, you can't be condemned. But Lord, I feel this, but whatever. All right? By definition, as my son and my daughter, you can't be condemned because why? I've set you free from it. There is no condemnation, right? I'm kind of going, flip me, that's good. That's a, that's a word. He shut the door to it. He has shut the door to, to condemnation and there's no exceptions. You don't break the rule because of your stuff. Do you know that? I don't care how bad it is or how awful it was or whatever you did. By, there are no exceptions in this. His grace is greater than it all. Whatever the worst thing is you can imagine that you've done or not done, his grace is just so much more for you. By definition, you're not condemned. Holy smokes. And therefore, there is no condemnation, catacrima. There is no punishment for you today, this week, or any other day. He will never punish you. He will never bring anything bad against you. He will only ever love you. The sentence of condemnation, there was, a, there was due process. It wasn't just like he chose to do what the world does and ignore it. There was a process. He looked at his son and he says, you're going to pay it. And Jesus willingly said, I will do this. He willingly looked at you into, into the future and said, I'm going to stand in their place because I love them. You're going to give them to me and I'm going to give them my work. And I, so give it to me. I will take it on board. So there was a process. Guilt was looked at because it, it's a concept. It was there. The Lord didn't ignore it. He dealt with it for you. He looked at Jesus square in the eye and everything was laid on him and he willingly took it away from you so that you would never be punished by God again. Amen? So stop punishing yourself when God will never do the same thing. Stop it. You've been set free this morning. Amen. That's the grace of Jesus for you right there. Amen. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful truth. Close your eyes. I'm going to read the scripture over you from the message. And then we're going to get ready to worship take communion, give our money and our offerings and say, thank you, Jesus. So what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for you? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would even dare to point a finger anymore? Isn't that amazing? Who would dare point a finger at you, church? When the God, that's what this means. Who would dare point a finger to accuse you of anything when the God of heaven, the God of eternity, has stood in your place and said, they are free? Nobody's going to stand and point the finger at you anymore. So stop pointing the finger at yourself, the Lord says. 
Let me keep reading. The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment as we sit here and he's sticking up for us. Do you think anyone's going to be able to drive a wedge between you and Jesus' love for you? There is no way. There's not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, no bullying threats, no backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. Some of you think the world's bad today. Go and read the Scriptures. Nothing new under the sun. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today, yesterday, today or tomorrow, whether it's high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, what I did, what I didn't do, whether I did it a hundred times willingly and knowingly or I, whatever, absolutely nothing can get between you and God's love for you. Why? Because of the way that Jesus has embraced you. Jesus, thank you for your word this morning. Father, we, for everyone in this place, for everyone watching online this morning, everyone who's going to watch this during the week, we speak freedom into the innermost place, Lord. We thank you, Father, that by definition, Lord, everything that is, we are accused of, that the enemy keeps throwing back in our faces, Lord, our declaration this morning is this, the price was paid. I am free from sin and all of its destructive results. I will walk in the goodness of God. I will walk in the favor of God. I will walk in the grace of God, unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor in my life every day. Why? Because you love me. Your love never fails me. Your love never gives up on me. You don't turn your back on me ever, Lord. Every day there is mercy for me, fresh and new. Every day there is love for me in a fathom that I cannot ever plumb the depths of. You don't turn your face by what I do and what I don't do, Lord. Every day your face is towards me, lifting me up and showing me again the righteousness that you bought for me, Lord, the price that you paid for me. And you say, come and live free. Don't put yourself anymore under a yoke of slavery because I came to set you free. And when I set you free, you are free indeed, the Lord says. I'm speaking it over you. I'm declaring it over you. You are free. Amen. And all God's people said... Amen. Let's stand to our feet and we're going to worship the Lord together. Isn't he good? Turn around to say to someone and say, the Lord is good. Give yourself a shake as we take communion. That's a good word, eh? Yeah, that's a good word. Thank you so much, Andrew, for that. We're going to take communion. As Andrew said, as we take the bread here, and we think of Jesus' body, he willingly went to the cross. He said, yeah, I'll stand in the gap. I'll redeem my people. So we say, Jesus, thank you for your body. 
thank you that it was broken, that we can have life in all of its fullness, Zoe life. So we say thank you, Jesus. We take and we eat and we pray health over our bodies, over our minds. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. We take and eat. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that as far as the east is from the west, so he has removed our transgression from us. Amen. We we take and we drink. We say, thank you, Jesus. We are forgiven, whole, clean. Amen. Amen. We are going to worship. Um, We're also going to take our offering. As we always say, you'll never hear about money before you've heard about Jesus in this church. So we're going to take our offering as we enter into the last song of worship. Um, Respond, church, respond to what you have heard. Respond in faith. As Andrew was speaking over you there, as he was praying over you, as you worship, give back to God the praise for what he has done in your life, for what he started in your life, for what he's reminded you of, and how he set you free, and start to walk in it. So, thank you, God. We worship you.